This is Josh Smith, pastor of Prince Avenue Baptist Church in Bogart, Georgia. Our mission at Prince is simple, leading people to trust and follow Jesus. And it's our hope that this sermon would help accomplish that mission. For more information about our church, visit us at pabc.org. Take your Bibles this morning and turn with me to Proverbs chapter 1. I'm excited after a couple of weeks break to be back in Proverbs 1. Looking forward to the next few weeks as God continues to lead us through this wonderful book. It's always interesting to me. I, I am praying pretty consistently about what God wants me to preach next. And so I won't have anything next until the fall. Uh, but I'm already kind of thinking about that and praying about that. And every time the Lord leads us in a direction, it just always feels right. It feels like God has been so gracious to us to bring us to the right book at the right time. And I certainly feel that with the book of Proverbs and particularly for this morning. As we look at Proverbs 1, starting in verse 8, all the way to the end of the chapter. There is one lesson, probably more than any other lesson, that we should have learned in 2020. I'm not convinced we learned it. I'm not even convinced we're aware of it. If we are aware of it, I seriously doubt that it made a massive impact in our lives, but I think it should have. I think this lesson that was so clear to us is something that should have scared us. It should have motivated us. It should have changed us. We should be different, not just in the way we believe, but the way we act by how clear this message was and how dangerous this lesson was that I really believe the Lord was trying to teach us. The lesson that we should have learned in 2020 was the power of the voices that we listen to. The power of the voices that we listen to. I'll never forget uh, the Wednesday before everything began to be shut down on Friday. I think schools were closed on Friday. And I remember that Wednesday when we were still trying to figure out exactly what was going on. I decided to make a video for the church because at that moment, everybody thought we knew exactly what we were doing and where we were headed. And two days later, we knew we had no idea. But I called two doctors and then I read a bunch and there was a lot of resources provided to us uh, by our denomination. And so I just read and studied and I just made a little video in which I said, here's how I think we're going to proceed and what God wants us to do. And in the midst of that video, I made one little comment about the virus itself. Just one little comment that I had been told was right and thought was right. And so I made the video, I sent it out. Within about 30 minutes of that video getting to people in the church, I received multiple calls and texts and emails telling me that exactly what I said was wrong. And I might have been wrong. I don't know. But nobody that called me had any medical experience. They had just watched something different than I had. Little did I know that, that right then would be the beginning of something incredibly damaging. That apart from the loss of life, what I have experienced and seen in the lives of countless people and countless other churches is that apart from the loss of life, the most damaging part of COVID in 2020 was the amount of families, the amount of churches, the amount of relationships torn apart because of the different voices people were listening to. I know people that were fired from their churches, pastors fired from their churches. I know churches that were divided and split because of this. I know people that stopped coming to certain churches and doing certain things. I know families that are still torn apart and all of it is because of the different voices they were listening to. 
Because the problem is people weren't just listening to a voice. They were listening to a voice, believing what the voice said, and then becoming an evangelist for that voice. They then made that voice their agenda. And we watch this play out over and over and over again as relationships and families and jobs and churches torn apart, people losing their careers, all because of the different voices. I think just, I was thinking this week, just even about the voices when the vaccine first came out. On one hand, there was a voice that very clearly said, if you're a believer in the Lord Jesus Christ and you love your neighbor, it would be sin for you to not take the vaccine because you're exposing other people and to take the vaccine would protect them and you don't love your neighbor. Now, on the other side, we have people that have said that the vaccine is kind of part of the demonic new world order by the global elite that's trying to decrease world population. So there's a couple of sides. But both of those, evident in our church, both of those all over the place and believed and, and, and it's so real that right now you feel a little bit uncomfortable, don't you? <laughs> right now, you feel a little bit nervous. Right now you're thinking, I invited a friend today. <laughs> like, it's true. It's true. Like, right now this still makes us feel uncomfortable. It still makes us a little nervous. But it's all about the power of the voices that we're listening to, isn't it? The vast majority of people that ever spoke to me, anything related to this, had no medical expertise at all. They were just listening to voices. I want to say something to you very seriously, thoughtfully. No generation in history has heard more, vo more voices than this generation has. No generation in history has heard more voices than this generation has. Because think about this, 200 years ago, just 200 years ago, before the newspaper was widely in circulation, how many voices do you think you heard a day? If you lived in a rural area, you might have heard the voices of your family, and that's it. Maybe four or five or six or seven, maybe some distant relatives, voices a day, and that's it the entire day. Maybe if you lived in a bigger city and you, and you traveled in to work, maybe you heard, heard 10 or, or 15 voices a day, maybe more. But right now, right now, hopefully not right now in this place, but right now, with one scroll of the finger, you can hear hundreds and hundreds of voices in five minutes. You turn on the radio and you're hearing voices. You turn on the TV, you're hearing voices, voice after voice. And that's not even accounting the voices that are just up here, right? Like if you turn off all the other voices, you've got voices in here that are also speaking. And no voice is neutral. Every voice has a worldview. Every voice has an agenda. Every voice has some consequences, good or bad. And that should terrify us. We should be genuinely terrified by the amount of voices we're hearing day after day because the voices that we listen to determine the direction of our life and the affections of our heart. Did you get that? The voices we listen to are determining the direction of our life and the affection of our heart. Whether you realize it or not, your voices are determining what you choose to do and the way you choose to walk and the direction your life will go. Voices determine the direction of your life, but they also determine the affection of your heart. What I mean is they determine what you love. They determine what you value. They determine the amount of stress, the amount of anxiety, the amount of love that you have in your heart. All of those things are determined by the voices that you hear. 
No voice is neutral. Every voice has an effect. And every single voice has some consequence in our heart and life. And that should scare us. Exactly the way it scared the father as he's talking to the son in Proverbs 1. The context is a father speaking to a son who is terrified because his son is about to go out into the world and he knows that he's going to hear voices and he knows that those voices have consequences and he knows those voices are going to determine the direction of his life and he knows that those voices are going to determine whether his son has a healthy, whole, solid, godly soul or a soul that has been torn apart by a thousand, listen, I'm not overstating, demonic voices. Listen to what he says in Proverbs chapter 1. I'm going to start in verse 8 and read to the end of the chapter. If you're there, say amen. Listen to what it says. Hear, my son, your father's instruction and forsake not your mother's teaching. They are a graceful garland for your head and pendants for your neck. My son, if sinners entice you, do not consent. If they say, come with us. Let us lie and wait for blood. Let us ambush the innocent without reason. Like Sheol, let us swallow them alive and whole like those who go down to the pit. Oh, we shall find all precious goods. We shall fill our houses with plunder. Throw in your lot among us. We will all have one purse. My son, do not walk in the way with them. Hold back your foot from their paths. Why? For their feet run to evil, and they make haste to shed blood. For in vain is a net spread in the sight of any bird, but these men lie in wait for their own blood. They set an ambush for their own lives. Such are the ways of everyone who is greedy for unjust gain. It takes away the life of its possessors. So now the voice of the Father switches to the voice of wisdom. Verse 20, wisdom cries aloud in the street, in the market. She raises her voice at the head of the noisy street. She cries out at the entrance of the city gates. She speaks. How long, O oh simple ones, will you love being simple? How long will scoffers delight in their scoffing and fools hate knowledge? If you turn to my reproof, wisdom says, behold, I will pour out my spirit upon you and I will make my words known to you. Because I have called you and you refuse to listen, have stretched out my hand and no one has heeded, because you have gained, you have ignored all of my counsel and would have none of my reproof, I also will laugh at your calamity. I will mock when terror strikes you. When terror strikes you like a storm and your calamity comes like a whirlwind, when distress and anguish come upon you, then they will call upon me, but I will not answer. They will seek me diligently, but will not find me. Why? Look at verse 29. Because they hated knowledge and did not choose the fear of the Lord. They would have none of my counsel and despised all of my reproof. Therefore, they shall eat the fruit of their way and have their feel, fill of their own devices. Now listen to how it ends. For the simple are killed by their turning away and the complacency of fools destroys them. But whoever listens to me will dwell secure and be at ease without dread of disaster. Going back to verse 8, you see the context there of the father having a conversation with the son. But the most important word in the text, and if you mark in your Bibles, circle it, the first word of verse 8 is the word hear. And then I want you to go over to verse 33 when it says, but whoever listens, and circle that word as well. 
Translators do this for certain reasons at certain times, but the reality is that word here in verse eight and the word listen in verse 33 is the same Hebrew word carrying the exact same meaning. It's repeated 30 times in the book of Proverbs and it is absolutely the key to this text. One of the ways you determine that is when you have a word that is significant at the beginning of a little paragraph and one at the end of that paragraph, you know that what brings that paragraph together is that theme. And the theme here is that word hear or the word to listen. And it's not just a reference to the ears. It's a reference to the heart. It's a reference to hearing and then receiving, believing, and then acting upon that. Because the things that you hear, whether you realize it or not, or aware of it or not, are affecting your soul. It is impossible for you to hear something and it to not go beyond your ear into your heart and your soul. Whatever you hear has some effect upon your life. Whatever you hear is determining something about the direction in which you walk. Whatever you hear is determining what you believe, and whatever you hear is going to have consequences. He knows that. And he wants them to understand the weightiness and the heaviness of everything that goes into our ear, everything we choose to listen to. And what he's asking for is for the son to take the instruction that his father has given him, the instruction that his mother has given him, and to listen to that. To allow that to be what goes into your ear. To allow that to be what you hear and what you believe and what you choose to act upon. And the reality is what you choose to, to preach. Now, the mother and father take this seriously. Both of them have a role. There's a great message on parenting here. Um, I'm not going to give it to you this morning. Because in a few weeks, I'm going to come back and do a number of topical studies, which we have to do in the book of Proverbs. And we're going to do some on parenting. But the one thing you have to see here is a mother and father understand the power of voices that their children are hearing. And they understand that their role is to protect them from those voices, clarify the voices they're hearing, and have the difficult conversations. That's the role of a mother and father. I will say more about this later. I really can't start talking about this now, but... but I, 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 the picture of modern parenting is the picture of a parent doing this. Uh, they want to act like nothing's happening. They want to act like their children are not hearing hundreds and thousands of voices. And the reality is the enemy is devouring their soul if parents don't have conversations. So that's the role of a father and mother. They have these conversations. And so it is exactly what is happening here, begging them to listen. What has to happen is a parent has to be the louder voice. This is not just about parent-child. So I think it would be easy right here to say, that's right, this is, and this is why I don't want to make this a parenting sermon because it would miss the point. We'll get back to the parenting. This is also about Solomon who is writing this, giving this to the people who are under him. This is about a king speaking to his people. And listen, this is about God speaking to us this morning. This is not just a parent-child conversation. This is a king and subject conversation. This is a God and his children conversation. If you are a child of God, you are a part of the my son and God is the father. And he's speaking to us about our need to hear and to listen to the truth that has been given to us. This is about the role. Listen, this is about the role that God's word plays in your life. It's about the role that mentors play in your life and pastors play in your life and teachers and friends and parents and your small group and your community. It's about the role that people play in your life that are speaking truth into your heart. This is why you need a church. It's why you need a community. It's why you must be a part of a small group. It's why, listen to me, if you're simply coming here every single week and hearing my message, but you're not in, in, in some kind of community where people know how you're doing and what you're listening to, you're in serious danger.
serious danger. Because there's no one there to have these conversations with you. And the reality is all of us are listening to voices. Every one of those voices have consequences. And what Proverbs 1 wants to teach us is how to discern the right voices. The question is, what do we need to make sure that we're hearing the right voices? That they're coming into our soul and they're restoring our soul, not destroying our soul. And there are four things you need. I want to encourage you to write this down. There are four things that you need in order to be hearing the right voices. The first one is this. You need humility. You need humility. That is verses 8 and 9. Why do, child, why, do, why do children need parents? Because children don't know anything. Chase talked about this in a sermon last week. We tend to act often like we know things that we don't know. And sometimes it's really important for us to stop and say, you know what? I have nothing to say about that because I don't know anything. Imagine how that would have changed 2020. If people stopped talking about stuff they didn't know about. Imagine that. We just kind of feel this need to talk all the time and act like we know things. And the reality is what we have to say is, you know what? I don't know. I actually don't know. I don't know the power of the voices. I don't know the things that are going into my ears and to my soul. I'm not able to distinguish what is right from wrong. I'm not discerning. And there's a word for that in the book of Proverbs. It's the word simple. It's in verse four. I have it underlined in, in, in my Bible here to give prudence to the simple in verse four. It's also in verse 22. How long, O oh simple ones, will you love being simple? It's at the end of the chapter in verse 32. For the simple are killed by their turning away. The simple is someone who's naive and gullible. Now, I want to be careful here. I, I, it, it's important for you not just to think of someone who might be termed airheaded. It's not just that. Someone who will fall for anything. The simple, the gullible and naive, is anyone who walks through life without understanding the significance of the voices they're hearing. It's anyone who is not afraid of the consequences of hearing wrong voices. It's anyone who just walks through life, filling their minds with stuff and having no awareness that those things are controlling your soul and your life and your affections. That's being simple. Being simple is acting like all the stuff you're consuming is not affecting you. Being simple is acting like you can get a little bit of the word of God and a few hours of this other thing and that not have consequences. That's being simple. Children are simple by their very nature. They don't understand these things, so God gives them parents. Adults' only excuse is that they're proud. All of us are proud. Like we think we know things, and we think we don't need other things, and we think we're going to be okay. And what the father and the son, mother are saying to the son here is you're not going to be okay. You're about to go out of the world, and you're going to hear a thousand voices. And you know what? I just think about this. Like the son at this point was going to have to leave the home to hear a thousand voices. Right now, your children are in their room hearing thousands of voices that you don't know. Imagine how terrified the father would be if he wrote it now. I mean, right now he's just preparing his son to leave and he's saying there's about to be a lot of voices. But the only way he's going to listen is if he's humble. The only way he's going to listen is if he says, Father, I know. I, I know that I need your word. I know that I need to follow your instructions. I know the power of the voices. Because the proud don't listen and the proud don't take advice and the proud don't get wisdom. Proverbs eleven twelve, Wisdom is given to the humble. Why? Because only the humble will listen. Proverbs 13, 10, where there is strife, there is pride, but wisdom is found in taking advice. One of the most powerful sermons I've ever heard was a sermon from Proverbs 29, 1. 
And the way I learned it is in the Amplified Bible. It says, a person who hardens his neck after much reproof will someday be broken beyond repair. Now meditate on that a little bit. Meaning you just continue to reject the word of God. You continue to reject the wisdom and the instruction. At one point, you will be broken beyond repair if you continue to ignore the voice of God. This is what he's saying here. Like this has to start, start right now. The starting place for this right now is you recognizing you need help in this. You need help to discern the voices. You need help to know what is right and what is true. You need help to guard your heart and to protect your soul from the war that is being waged against it by the voices and all of their worldviews and all of the agenda. This is a daily recognition. Listen, every day, God, I'm walking into a world with a thousand voices. I need help. You need humility. The second was this. You need honesty. Write that down. You need honesty. The beauty of this in verses 10 through 19 is that the father and mother at the appropriate time are just clarifying exactly what the voices are going to be. Hey, here's what you're going to hear and here's what you need to know about it. They're really honest about this. And so in honesty, they say, son, here's what's going to happen. They're going to come to you and they're going to entice you. Do you see that word in verse 10? They're going to entice you. They're going to put something before you that sounds too good to be true. And son, if it sounds like it's too good to be true, it probably is. Here's what they're going to say. They're going to say, hey, come with us. Let's, let's lie and wait for blood. Let's ambush the innocent. In other words, let's have adventure. Let's have some fun, man. Let's go out and do some stuff that's fun. Like Sheol, verse 12, let us swallow them alive and whole like those who go down to the pit. We're going to find money. We're going to find precious goods. We're going to fill our houses with all the stuff we get. And look at this promise in verse 14. Hey, you, you throw in your lot with us. Come with us. Let's put all of our stuff together and we'll have one purse. We'll share it all. It's the promise of adventure. It's the promise of money. It's the promise of getting quickly everything that we might ever want in life. And that goes to verse 19. Such are the ways of everyone who is greedy for unjust gain. Those who try to get money in an unjust way always end up paying. We'll talk more about that in the weeks ahead as well. But he's also telling him that the voices aren't exactly right. Look at the warning in verse 15. My son, don't walk in the way with him. Son, do not go with them. Hold back your foot from their paths. I know it's enticing. Why? Be because their feet run to evil. I, I can just hear the son saying, but dad, why? This sounds like so much fun. Because they're running to evil and they make haste to shed blood. And then the father is wise enough, listen, to know the ignorance of all of the son's friends. This is great. Look, look at verses 17 and 18. Here's the reality. So the promise was, hey, we're going to have a lot of fun. We're going to make a lot of money. Everything's going to be great. Look at 17 and 18. For in vain is a net spread in the sight of any bird. Now what that means is this. The Proverbs has a lot of funny phrases like this. It means that if you're trying to catch a bird, you would catch a bird with a net. But if you start by showing the bird the net, you're probably not going to catch the bird. I'm not, I'm not much of a hunter, but I think that's probably true. Like if you waved the net at the bird, the bird's probably not going to wait for you to get it. He's saying, son, this is what their plans are like. They're holding up a net right in front of a bird and they're not going to get anything. It's, it's futility. It's absolute foolishness. And then he says more in verse 18. These men lie in wait for their own blood. They're setting an ambush for their own lives. So what he's saying is not only are their plans fu foolish and, and futile, they're dangerous and they're painful. 
I, I hope, and I believe this is true, the overriding statement to my children over and over, we talk about this a lot, I, I hope, because I want this to be uh, what they remember when they leave the house, is that sin is always self-harm. Sin always makes things more complicated. Sin always makes things worse. Sin always makes things terrible. Sin always brings terrible consequences. Life with Jesus is the best of all possible lives. Jesus is always better. Sin always makes things complicated. And sin always catches up with you. Always. My mother is here this morning. Every time I left the house, be sure your sins will find you out. I don't even know where that is in the Bible. It's somewhere, I think, David or something. That's like overplaying in my mind all the time. And it's true. So the father says to his son, listen, this is not going to go well. It's foolish. It's futile. It's dangerous. It's painful. But it's also deadly. Look at verse 19. Such are the ways of everyone who's greedy for unjust gain. It takes away the life of its possessors. If you follow them, you will go where they're going and they're destroying their lives. When I say you need honesty, what I mean is you need the honesty of people in your lives who are saying the voices you're listening to have consequences. Whether it be your friends or who you follow on social media or your friends at school, whatever it is, voices have consequences. They have an agenda and listen, even though there's thousands of voices, they're only leading in two directions, life and death. Write down James chapter three. James chapter three says that there's only two kinds of wisdom. There's one from God, which is pure and right and holy It brings life, it brings peace, it brings joy. Or there is the wisdom of the world, which, listen to this, is earthly, unspiritual, I need you to hear this word, and demonic. And that's why I want you to be scared. I want you to take this message and be afraid that so many of the voices that you're listening to are demonic voices. I mean, think about the serpent in the garden. Did not hold up a sign and say, demonic voice coming. With terrible consequences. He said, hey, it, it's going to be all right. The Lord just, he, he's holding out on you. There's something better. And they were deceived. Got Jesus in the garden of Gethsemane when Satan comes to him and says, hey, I'll give you all of these things. All of the power will be yours. I'll give you all of the earth. This is the way the enemy comes. And listen, when you turn on a YouTube video, there is not a flashing light that says demonic voice coming. No, it's just a worldly voice coming from a place that does not know God, but it's not the wisdom of God and it will affect your soul. This is how serious it is. And somebody's got to be honest enough to say that the enemy is after you. First Peter 5, 8, he's like a lion seeking someone to devour. And we resist him by being firm in the faith, by hearing the word of God. 2 Corinthians 2, 11. 2 Corinthians 2, 11 says, Do not be outwitted by Satan or ignorant of his schemes. The simple are always outwitted because they're ignorant of his schemes. And listen, this is not me like, this is not me making some revolutionary statement here. This is just a fact. There's, there's countless studies on this. That the rise in anxiety and depression and a sense of isolation and insecurity is primarily a result of too many voices. Am I right? I mean, all the articles that are coming in on, on the war that is being waged on teenage girls, how teenage girls are suffering immeasurably. Why? Because there's just too many voices. 
You can't hear that many voices and not be insecure. You can't hear that many voices and not want to hate yourself. You can't hear that many voices and then not believe the lies that every one of those voices is saying. You can't hear those voices and not be depressed or anxious. It's too many voices. And we weren't intended for that many voices to be speaking in to us. But look at the opposite. Look look at verse 9 again. What what does wisdom do to us? It's a graceful garland on your head and pendants on your neck. Listen, the voice of God makes you beautiful. Ladies, can I say, I have four daughters. Like, the voice of God makes you beautiful. The voice of God speaking life and joy and peace and kindness and clarity into your heart. It is that which gives life and beauty. And that whole idea there of a graceful garland is is like a picture of life and power and and victory and well-being and peace. That's what you need in your heart. And the truth is, it is only the voice of God that will bring that to you. That's the honesty. Thirdly, you need God. Write that down. You need God. When I first wrote this, I put you need Jesus and I changed it because you do need Jesus. But... All of the Godhead is here. God the Father, God the Son, and God the Spirit are all here in this text. And you need help from God the Father and God the Son and God the Spirit. So we hear the passion of wisdom. This is verses 20 and 22. Wisdom is crying aloud. Wisdom is raising her voice. Wisdom is begging. Wisdom is speaking. Wisdom is looking at the simple and the naive and saying, you have something so much better if you would turn to me. And look at what wisdom says in verse 22. How long, O simple ones, are you going to love being simple? How long are you going to love being gullible? How long are you going to be naive? How long are you going to keep thinking that all those voices are not affecting you? How long are you going to live this way? And then listen, how long are you scoffers going to delight in your, you know what scoffing is? Oh, it doesn't matter. Scoffing. How long are you going to scoff? How long are you going to hate knowledge that God is trying to give you? What you have here is you have the words of the Father, the words of the Son, and the words of the Spirit And so if you look there at verse 8, where it says, hear my son. And if you hear in verse 10, my son, if sinners entice you. Listen, that's the words of God the Father speaking to his children. Said, hey, my child, my child, listen to me. My child, do not be enticed by the subtle tactics of the enemy. My child, I love you. My child, I want what is good for you. My child, do you believe that my heart is so full of kindness and so full of goodness and so full of graciousness and so full of life that I want to pour all of these things out about you? My son, listen to me. It's the word of God the Father. When you come to verses 20 and on, it's the word of God the Son. Because we know from 1 Corinthians uh, chapter 1 that Jesus is the wisdom of God. And we also know that God the Father in Luke 9.35 said, this is my son, listen to him. And so what you have is God the Father saying, listen to wisdom. Listen to God the Son as he speaks and as he invites you and as he begs you to come. And the cry of Jesus is, listen, if you hold my teaching, John 8, you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. Because that's what we need. We need truth. Jesus says, I am the truth. We have the cry of the Spirit. How do we get that? Well, look at verse 23. If you turn to my reproof, I will pour out my Spirit upon you. Listen to this. I've underlined this so much. I will make my words known to you. That's what you need. You need the right words. You need what is truth. John 16, 13, Jesus says this, you'll receive the spirit and the spirit will lead you into all truth. What that means is this, you don't have a chance of avoiding all of the voices of folly without God the Father, God the Son, and God the Spirit, and you need them every single moment of the day. 
We just need for God to be the louder voice in our hearts. We need to turn down some voices and we need to turn up the voice of God. You know, the beauty we have of the time in which we live with all that's complicated, you don't have to listen to a bunch of the voices you're listening to. You can delete the app. You can mute the person. You can put away the phone. You can get a non-smartphone. You don't have, nobody's forcing you to listen to all these voices. And so I'm just challenging you to turn the voices down and turn the voice of God up. One of the things, and I'm, I'm sorry, I know I'm, I'm being direct here and it's, it's going to hurt some people's feelings, but I, one of the things that I, bothers me so much is how many times I get emails from people saying, Pastor, would you just watch this 60-minute video from this guy I just found out about? I just want to, in the spirit of God, write back and go, no. I don't want to hear from your more recent influencer or whatever psychologist it is or whatever thinker that you have or whatever news anchor you're listening to. I don't, I don't want to hear it. I want to write back and say, hey, would you take 50 to 60 minutes and read a voice I'd like for you to read? That's what I want to say. I'm not that snarky, so I don't usually say it, but I'm saying it now. <laughs> Let me just tell you something. I want to be really clear on something. I think we tend to think, maybe I am that snarky, I don't know, but... I want you to, I think we tend to think you're right. These young people really need this. That God has stopped listening to, to all the social media. Listen, I am almost more burdened for the old, the adults, older adults in the room that turn on the news and listen to it all day. I'm not even being funny. If you are just constantly hearing the news all day, you put it on in the morning, you leave it on in the afternoon, you're just consuming this. How is that not going to affect your soul? How? Every bit of this is affecting your soul. I'm not saying don't be informed. I'm saying that if you're feeding your soul this all day, it will affect you. It steals your heart. It steals your affection. It changes the direction of your life. It determines whether you're experiencing life and peace and joy or a sense of death and dread and depression. It affects you. We need God to help us to turn up the voice of God in our lives. But the last one is this. You need humility, you need honesty, you need God, and you need repentance. You need repentance. Write that down. This is verses 23 and verses 33. And this is another one of those moments in which you say something said at the beginning and the end of a conversation that they matter. Look what it says in verse 23. If you turn at my reproof, I'll pour out my spirit on you. And what's my spirit going to do? My spirit's going to give you truth. Now look at the opposite. Turn over to verse 32. That was, 20, that was 23, look at 32. For the simpler killed by their turning away. So both are turning. One's turning in the right direction and receiving the spirit and truth. One is turning the other direction and will be destroyed. That word turning there is our word for repentance. Now listen, I, I wanna make sure you're clear. If you're with me, say amen. amen. I need you to hear this. We don't want to over-spiritualize this idea of repentance. It is spiritual in that you don't have the ability to repent unless God gives you the ability. Because you don't have desires for God. You don't have hunger and thirst for God unless God put it there. You have a heart of stone. You're spiritually dead. You don't have any ability to repent. But if you are a believer in the Lord Jesus Christ, then God has given you his spirit, which gives you the ability to make decisions. By your spirit-infused will, you are making decisions. And you have a decision to turn away from negative voices and turn to the voice of God. That is a decision you choose to make every single day. That's a decision. This morning, people need to repent. 
Maybe for the very first time when you turn towards Jesus Christ and say, I'm turning my back on the world. I'm giving my life to Jesus and I'm gonna let Adam baptize me at the end of the service. No joke, you're saying, I'm gonna give my life to Jesus. I'm gonna turn. But some of you as believers need to continue to repent. All of us do continue to repent because you are not actively turning away from the voices that are destroying your soul. And you wonder why your soul's not happy. And you wonder why you're not experiencing the life that God has promised. It's because there are other voices that are too loud. And he says, I'm begging you to turn to my reproof. Because God pours out his truth on those who make the continual decision to turn from other voices to turn to the voice of God. And I want you to hear this. We're almost done. But I want you to look at this in verse 24 and following. This is to cause us to have a healthy fear of God. There are those who will not respond to this message. There are those who will choose not to give their life to Jesus. There are those who will go and continue to allow these voices to be so loud. Because I have, verse 24, because I have called and you refuse to listen. I've stretched out my hand and no one's heeded. Because you've ignored all my counsel and would not have my reproof. I will laugh at your calamity. I will mock when terror strikes you. When terror strikes you like a storm and your calamity comes like a whirlwind. When distress and anguish come upon you. Then you're going to call upon me, but I won't answer. And they will seek me diligently, but I won't find you. Because they hated knowledge and they did not choose the fear of the Lord. They ignored the Lord. They rejected the Lord. They did not acknowledge God. You would have none of my counsel and despised all my reproof. Therefore, they shall eat the fruit of their ways and their fill of their own devices. You say, well, how could God do this? God is just allowing them to eat the fruit of their own way. To have the fill of their own decisions. This is God removing his hand from you, allowing you to continue to reject him and walk in that way, and then allowing you to eat the fill of your own decisions. Because you did not choose, it says there in verse 29, the fear of the Lord. Choosing the fear of the Lord is acknowledging the seriousness of the issue we're talking about. It's acknowledging that ignoring God has serious, deadly, eternal consequences. That rejecting the word of the God, even as it's spoken now, and not responding in repentance will have consequences. You should be terrified this morning of ignoring the voice of God. You should be terrified of that. But then you should be overjoyed by the fact that the invitation to come to Jesus is one in which he says, I know the truth and the truth will set you free. It will give you life and peace and all will be yours. And look at how it ends in 32 and 33. The simple are killed by their turning away and the complacency of fools destroy them. But whoever listens to me will dwell secure. You know what that means? Those who listen to the Lord will have peace and rest and trust and they will be at ease without the dread of disaster. Why? Because what's, listen to me, what's speaking over them is words of life and hope and joy and grace and kindness instead of the constant words that are destroying your soul. My biggest fear in this message is the fear that I receive from one word in verse 32. I want to show you this word and we'll be done. Because I think on one hand, there's those who are openly rebellious. God, I don't care what you say. I don't want anything to do with you. I'm going to go do my own thing. That's not my biggest fear this morning. My biggest fear is the little word in verse 32 that the complacency of fools will destroy them. Complacency. Ah, that's okay. It's not a big deal. Failure to act. The failure to change, the failure to do something. Listen, complacency can send you to hell just like rebellion can. Complacency can destroy your soul just like any other thing can. Not doing something is doing something. Isn't you're just allowing the voices to continue to be in your head. 
And so my call to you this morning is, is first just to wake up, to wake up the reality to how, to how serious this is. There's a war being waged for your soul, and every voice is coming after your soul. Every voice is coming after your affection. Every voice matters. None of them are neutral. And Jesus warned us in John 8 that Satan is a liar. And you know what a demonic stronghold is? Listen, there are countless people in churches this morning living with demonic strongholds. A demonic stronghold is a lie that you've believed. And therefore, it just controls you. And the way you take down a strong, demonic stronghold is by you give it the truth. Like you don't just pray for deliverance from a stronghold. You give the stronghold the truth. You acknowledge, I'm believing something about myself or about this world or about my future or about my past that is not true. And in the name of Jesus Christ, I take the truth and I speak to that stronghold and I tear it down in the name of Jesus. You gotta wake up to the reality this is a very serious battle and then you have to act. Turn the voices down. Turn the voice of God up. Make sure what you're hearing, believing, and preaching is Jesus. Can you imagine a day in which what you're hearing is so much the voice of Jesus that what you're speaking is the voice of Jesus and what you're passionate about is Jesus and what you love is Jesus and what gets you up in the morning is Jesus. The way you get there is by starting right here and listening and listening and listening. The other word for this is discipleship. Whatever you call yourself, the reality is you are a disciple of whatever you're listening and believing and following. And if that's not Jesus, you're not a disciple of Jesus. Listening is discipleship. And the call of Jesus is to submit yourself to the discipleship of Jesus and say, Jesus, I want you and I want to know you and I want to hear you and I'm submitting myself to you. I want you to be the loudest voice in my life and I want to follow you. Help me, Lord, I need your help. And it's in that kind of posture of discipleship that you receive the wisdom that only God can give. Let's bow our heads and close our eyes this morning. Thanks so much for taking the time to listen to this sermon. May you trust and follow Jesus more and lead others to do the same. For more information, visit us at pabc.org.